What's going on? My name is Pepper Coyote. This is Last Minute Politics, and we have another returning guest this week. It is Lorcan. Say hello. 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 You love having me on here, don't you? I do, because, <laughs> like, okay, I don't want to say that I'm, I'm not fake with people, but the when I have guests on, I try, and I don't want to be fighting with my guests the whole time. So if I have guests who may maybe not have not read... Not that I've read that much of Lenin. Have not read quite any like they've read nothing. They still think that Lenin is like an evil goblin, and so, <laughs> so I'm not going to get quite as deep into my particular bullshit. But our your bullshit and my bullshit intersect a lot, so I can just like say things, and you'll go, yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's good. To, you know, it's good to be surrounded by like-minded extremists in that department. <laughs> yeah. Man, I heard somebody on on the internet uh, describe. Uh, scientific socialism, Marxism, Leninism as radical centrism. <laughs> and oh I'm like, fuck, like I, the way they're putting it, I'm like, I know what you mean. <laughs> because like in the idea that, uh, that the, the core ideas of scientific socialism are highly appealing to the working masses because it is the method to their own liberation. And that, yeah. in that sense of the term centrist, <laughs> it is. like It is broadly, broadly appealing to like 90% of all of humanity. And in that sense, yeah. <laughs> I think the mistake is, though, that people assign it a political... Um spectrum if you will yes which you know like the four quadrant political spectrum for example which has became i would argue the equivalent of modern astrology like um, is biology a right-wing or left-wing science is mathematics a right-wing or left-wing science we don't do this with any other like area of study but the study of revolution has to be like ah oh, we got to paint this is, is this a democrat or a republican <laughs> same shit different toilet <laughs> Marx, I've, I've been making uh, analogies about electricians where uh, in the, if you try to impose... I, the, the goals that we're going for are, I believe, highly moral goals because they invi uh, involve, like, you know, the betterment of all of humanity. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that you don't have to have... Like, your morals don't have to necessarily align with mine in order for the thing to work. Kind of like if you have an electrician who wires your house, regardless of that person's moral standings, if they wired your house correctly, they wired your house correctly. If they didn't, they didn't. Like, if Hitler said that, like, one times... 10 is 10 you wouldn't say no <laughs> what you think that's you think that math is correct do you support Hitler? <laughs> like yeah. you can be a total piece of shit and marxism still works on you like it's, it will still work yes and, and the and the thing is like a lot of people especially twitter people i've noticed this, i do this all the time especially which is just baffling forms of logic or leaps if you will um, particularly when it comes to any political opponent or rather any person that doesn't adhere to every single line that they spout, if you will, which is just in itself pure dogmatism. There do not exist people who have the exact same set of morals to you. There might be people who will like, like say yes to whatever you say because they want to be your friend <laughs> or like want something out of you. But like if that, if you're, uh, 
if you're quali- if the qualifications for working with you towards an actual goal of getting something fucking done is that your morals have to perfectly map onto mine or anyone else's. You're just dooming yourself to never getting anything done. Like you're never yes. going to be able, or you're saying that this tiny, tiny, tiny group of people, like maybe two people, I guess, if, if you talk about that criteria, you're supposed to just impose your specific perfect will upon the rest of the world. Like you're Jesus. <laughs> like you came down here. It is. Here's the perfect social, the least problematic possible socialism. We've devised it in our imaginations <laughs> and yeah. accept it or die. motherfucker. <laughs> like, what are you going to no. I think that's the point. Uh, you know, nothing is without its problems or or its problematic aspects, if you will. But to but to ascribe to something that's idealized and not within the material world is again just pure utopianism. And I think ultimately, people need to recognize that more, especially a lot of a lot of leftists who they describe themselves as, but simultaneously are more or less sitting from their armchairs talking about whatever they want within their own imaginary mind palace, if you will, rather than actually taking action to better people's conditions. So I'm going to, uh, tiniest bit of my personal nonsense, but it kind of goes what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> conversations I'm having on the internet. I promise there's a grander point to this. I'm not just trying to air my own personal grievances and I'm definitely not trying to like direct harassment or like go fighters attack my enemies. I definitely don't want this, but we've had conversations on the internet where a point that I've brought up multiple times, uh, that there are, if, if we're going to do this, uh, this purity test, I hate using these buzz terms, but if we're going to use like purity tests on people and, uh, I have failed it and I am not, I am blacklisted from several conventions for performing along with various other people. It doesn't just have to be me. Uh, what are our criteria? Because as I like to point out, we have several, like dozens and dozens of Lockheed Martin and Raytheon employees who, like furries, who work on missile guidance systems that help the missiles that get like sent in to kill Palestinians because we all, arm all, all too Israel. All too common a profession, as a matter of fact. It's, it's weirdly it's, it's common. Especially, you know, I mean, I've, I've read some studies from... Um, I forget the name of the institute, but it's it's actually ran by furry data scientists, and they've analyzed a lot of the professions of people within the fandom in accordance to various survey averages, if you will. And it's actually been found that quite a lot, a very significant proportion of furries, they either work in the military as a grunt, or they work within, as you said, the more technical aspects of the military industrial complex. If you know an electrical engineer who's a furry, uh, who has a relatively high paying job, who doesn't work for a utility, they're working for Lockheed Martin. Like they're working for Raytheon. And that's not me making a moral judgments of people. That's the job they have. And does that mm. mean, do I ascribe to the ideology that's being thrown at me that because they work for X employer that they should necessarily be shunned and banished from the community? I'm not even making that argument. I'm just saying if being a big being a big old asshole is enough <laughs> to be like you you can never be mentioned you got to get memory hold from the whole fandom we're going to pretend you never existed you fucking you can't do any more shows you can't not be involved with us i think maybe the guy who helps guide missiles into palestinian uh, palestinian bedrooms should probably face some kind of criticism <laughs> and today on the internet i was told i am wrong <laughs> go ahead well, that's but that but that's the thing um 
I've spoken about this a lot before, and obviously some would ascribe my theories as madness, if you will, but I, I kind of ascribe it to what I would often call the middle class mentality of much of the furry community, at least when it comes to a significant proportion of its quote-unquote figureheads, if you will. And when I say figureheads, I more mean people who have a relatively stable following, quite a significant one at that. You know, it's these very same people who often are involved in politics in some sense or another. And whilst on occasion they make some very important points, the fact of the matter is the basis of their politics is from that of moralism and not from an analysis of material reality. Yes. They instead they instead ascribe it to... They see people more as the sum of what they do as a profession and not in terms of more what those effects actually have on the greater picture. This is it's the almost, person delivering yeah. the message mattering more than the message itself, or in this case, the person doing the action <laughs> <laughs> mattering yeah. more than the yeah. action itself. And I, th- I, think, I think overall, and I've always said this, and it's, of course, I've received a lot of criticism from that, but that's fine. I'm not saying people have to agree with my assessment, <laughs> but, ultimate, but ultimately <laughs> speaking... The fact of the matter is, if people within this community want there to be good good changes, if you will, for queer people, then they have to look outside the box of moralism and recognize the limitations of their own methodologies. Because if they don't, they're just building their own little group and that's it. But they're not changing anything. They're just doing something that makes them feel good. And that's my problem, primarily. I, I don't, you know... You, you shouldn't do things purely because it makes you feel good. You should do them because they have an effect. That's it. And you, <laughs> you are know. describing scientific socialism versus idealism or utopianism, whatever you want to call it. Yep. You, you shouldn't be out there doing things because it makes you feel good. You should do it because it works, because it will change something, because it will achieve a goal. And that is my argument, because like you are mm-hmm. already saying... If you base everything on vibes and how it looks and aesthetics and you never get any farther into anything, which was me six years ago. I'm not fucking trying to throw stones here. Glass house, all that shit. I read a fucking book. I am not some brain genius. who. I'm just a regular stupid asshole who picked up like a couple of books and read them. The very books that these people were like telling me the contents of like random internet idiots would be like oh well you see mark says and i'm like never once did it occur to me to actually read anything and what's the point of reading that shit because socialism is supposed to be a science that affects an output you read a book on uh, electric uh, like on electricity <laughs> on uh, electrical engineering because you might want to provide power to your home if i change that analogy why do we do marxism because i don't know we want it, like people to have food shelter access to education travel we want society as a whole to be able to fucking go somewhere we've been in park for like a century mul- arguably multiple centuries and we want things to get better. We are a person looking at a house with no plumbing and saying we should add plumbing to this for all of the benefits that plumbing provides. If I stand outside of that house, cross my fingers, swear to God, and go, man, I wish there were pipes in this house. I could do that till the end of time and it will never put plumbing in my house. (laughs) If I had all the right posters and slogans and was an advocate for plumbing and hygiene (laughs) and like went on campaigns and did parades about how my house should have plumbing, until the pipes are walking into my fucking house, (laughs) it's not happening. And like the same is true for ideology. 
I kind of have shut up about yeah. harping on the internet because I've just realized this just does nothing. And worst case scenario, it'll be recuperated as like an advertising tool for assholes. <laughs> and, it, and it always is. But that's the basis of liberalism in general. Um, I remember reading a few years ago in a book um, titled It Left for Itself, quite an interesting quote, which essentially summarizes the well, the entire basis of liberalism, really, if you would like me to read that, of course. Oh, please. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, liberalism is a matter of shallow appearances, of fatuous self-righteousness. It is arrogant and condescending, a politics in which the beautiful and the well-born tell the unwashed and the beaten down and the funny-looking how they ought to behave, how they should stop being racist or homophobic, how they should be better people. This is not politics. It's an imitation of politics. It feels political, yes, but it's highly moralistic. It's set up. It sets up an easy melodrama of good versus bad. It allows you to make all kinds of judgments about people you disagree with, but ultimately it's diversion. The virtue quest is an exciting moral crusade that seems to be extremely important, but at the conclusion of which you discover you've got little to show for it. And I think that kind of summarizes a lot of the more political views of a lot of people, not just within this community, but within much of the United States and the Western Hemisphere. It is, that, it is that very same mentality that needs to be broken down and attacked for what it is. And what it is is nothing more than self-righteousness. I get accused of uh, straw man arguments from time to time. And the only reason, that's why I bring this up, because this person apparently does exist on, twi on fucking Twitter today. I was making the point about how, hey, a, a, a weird number of furries work directly for the military-industrial complex and have a, a very direct way in which they are enabling American imperialism to continue and the Palestinian genocide to be perpetuated. And I was yep. told verbatim to my face not make, that because what I have done... They mean, but what I have done <laughs> uh, since that is, <laughs> in, injures the fandom, that matters more. And because uh, it's the palace, like you know, killing Palestinians, that is like irrelevant in this situation and shouldn't be <laughs> considered. <laughs> Literally, my thought crimes are worse than uh, and uh, to, to rope in the other person's fucking Cassidy Civet's getting shit on. She did even less than I did. She just is like the uh, accusations are that they're very rude. And it's like, wow, kill them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if she's rude, fuck, you should see me on Twitter. <laughs> they're accused of being very full of themselves. And, yeah. and that th that might even be accurate. But like a fucking con, like very publicly, like disinvited her from doing it. It's like, I'm sorry. If you book somebody and they turn out to be a little bit of a pain in the ass, you got to you, you gotta deal with it. And then next year, don't book them again. Doing this weird shit. Because they're working for free. I'm not even fucking paying them. They're going to go do a show for free. Uh, <laughs> so like doing this weird public humiliation shit. Because they know how it's going to go. They know it's going to be a big circle of assholes like trying to kick this lady <laughs> like for yeah. fun on the internet. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, that's the it's the same kind of thing. I mean, like, fur furries and, like, for the love of God, and I keep saying this, but I know, I know it's never going to be heard, but I'll keep saying it. Please, just please calm down. <laughs> please.
So I want to go to our first story that uh, so I can connect back to this a bit. And this is like uh, talking about doing things that actually like looking at what the effects of your actions are more so than like the symbolism behind them or how like cool they look. Uh, so we have a a new presidential candidate has entered the American uh, race. <laughs> Dr. Cornell West is running. If you don't know who Cornell West is, so picture in your head Don King, the black guy with like big puffed up uh, like gray hair. You may or may not currently be envisioning Cornell West, if you, <laughs> unless you're like highly into it. They look <laughs> slightly similar, but uh, Cornell West is a uh, like as far as politicians go, he's pretty damn good. He has pretty freaking good uh, politics for being an American politician that is like mains. Well, he's really a, a an educator. He's dog, you know, like an activist. He's been hanging out in the civil rights movement forever. He was a part of the Bernie Sanders campaign. And why do I care about him? Because I certainly haven't talked about was it Marianne Williamson or uh, RFK Jr. Haven't talked about them at all. This guy mm. is not running as a Democrat. If you want to talk about the tiniest little like signal to being that you're not just going to be part of the machine, like everyone in the world saw what happened with Bernie Sanders, who was considered like a best case scenario. He's the nicest dude. He <laughs> is not very radical. He's not scared. He just wants these tiny little reforms. And the entire establishment, or, or, or Jeremy Corbyn, or, or Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn for, for UK listeners, how they were making up that. Um, they were like, this guy is fucking anti-Semitic. And then it turns out, oh, members within his own party were, were like, <laughs> they basically sabotaged Jeremy Corbyn out of his political career. Or Jeremy Corbyn, again, middle of the road, nice guy, wants some very mild reforms. He wants, like, maybe we should all have health care. Yes. Maybe we should, like, increase these programs. And the whole political apparatus united to make sure they could never affect any kind of power. And what did Bernard Sanders do? He has already endorsed Joe Biden. He's full, just like, I don't give a shit. I'm taking money from them. I'm not even, I'm going to pretend I don't know what these wars even are. And if anyone calls me on stuff, eh. <laughs> they are the bad ones. He already has. Uh, oh yeah, he has already endorsed Biden. That was months ago. <laughs> oh. He endorsed him, I think, before he actually announced he was even freaking running. Wouldn't it be great if he's like, Mr. Biden, I will not endorse you until you do these things? You know, like pushing him to the left or whatever the fuck. So Cornell West. So they told us. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. So Cornell West, at the absolute bare minimum, is not running as a Democrat. So it's very unlikely that he's just going to drop out like a day into the Democrat primary and endorse Biden and be like, yes, whatever the whatever the, whatever the Democrats say, just vote for all them. Looking at the outcomes of these things, we know how rigged these things are. And if you as a candidate say you're running for president and can't answer the question of, OK, so what happens when they Bernie Sanders you like? Because they'll just be like, oh, no, my good friend Joe, the Democrats would never do that. Because they're really going for a, for a book deal that, like, RFK Jr. and Marianne Williamson want to increase their uh, speaking fees, and they might want a cabinet position. Uh, if you're running as a, a rando, uh, oh, he's also running under, under the People's Party, which is a party that has only existed for, like, three months. <laughs> it was not the Greens. I thought, I, thought, I thought it was longer, to be honest. Well, there was the movement for the People's Party. And people say that, oh, they did a name change. It's not the movement for a people's party was like the exploratory group of it was like a, tw a, a Twitter account and an email where they're like, we're going to maybe do a mm. people's party. And then they had to actually name it when they st started like filling out actual legal documents. And they are the people's party. And hey, would you be shocked to know that everybody thinks the guy in charge of it is evil? Therefore, we can't we have to hate Cornell West. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah, I mean, it, but it's kind of funny because if I'm not mistaken, the party itself was founded by a former campaign staff member for. Sanders. Yeah, it was the Our Revolution guy. I think it's like it's either Nate or Nick. Somebody, I don't remember. <laughs> I think yeah, no, but, I, but I'm definitely sure that's the fact. 
Um, but but I, don't, I don't see why... Um, I mean, has he already been getting hate? I mean, I'm quite surprised because um, some of his statements seem to make sense from what I've Are you talking about Cornell West? Or the guy? Oh, oh, Cornell West oh, in particular. Yeah. Um, so some of his quotations I will follow. Um, he, he basically said, like, um, neither political party wants to tell the truth about Wall Street, about Ukraine, about the Pentagon, and about big tech. Do we have what it takes? We shall see. I have decided to run for truth and justice, which takes the form of running for president of the United States as a candidate for the People's Party. I enter for the quest for truth. I enter for the quest of justice. And the presidency is, presidency is just one vehicle we pursue that truth and justice. You know, on paper, there's not a lot wrong with that statement uh, to begin with. And I believe he's also stated in Joe Rogan that he comes from a tradition where I care about you. He has said, I care about whether you have access to a job with a living wage, decent housing, women having control over their bodies, healthcare for all, de-escalating the destruction of the planet and the destruction of American democracy. So what has been, I suppose, from your perspective, um, what has been the criticisms, if you will? Because based on that, I... Um, I'm kind of shocked, to be honest with so you. So we're going to see. The person I'm saying that they think is evil is the guy who founded the People's Party, who is not Cornell West. <laughs> Cornell West is running under this party, kind of like in the same way that, uh, who was it, like, who was running the Democratic Party in Obama's first race? Like, I don't remember who. I, it might have been Debbie Wasserman Schultz, but my point is, in everyone's mind, Obama was running the Democratic Party. Biden is running the Democratic Party. So, like, even if the guy who, like, founded the People's Party is a huge piece of shit, he's not the one running. It's Cornell Weston. <laughs> it's like, great. Maybe, like, if something good could come out of that. It's not like, oh, he's puppet he's puppeteering Cornell West. <laughs> Cornell West is definitely, like, the higher power level whatever guy in these situations where essentially he... You could even argue that he picked this party, a, a less established one, because he can essentially just take it over and do whatever he wants with it, because it has never run in any elections. He's like their first thing ever, as opposed to like the Green Party, which is run by a you know a Warhawk guy, Hawkins, War, yeah. War Hawkins. <laughs> you don't want if, is that a, is that his soda name? That's what I see people call him. <laughs> it's funny to me. God. Um. So I'm reading from Newsweek here. The mo the biggest criticisms against West so far are the classic that he's going to like ruin the election for Biden, which is just the same Naturally. flaw. Like I'm not even going to go through all the like the dumb parts of that argument. Personally, and along with a lot of other people, just because uh, somebody votes for a third party candidate in no way indicates that they were going to vote for Biden in the first place. It's kind of like how video game companies will complain about piracy. It's like, oh, all these lost sales. It's like they weren't necessarily ever going to buy a fucking game. They probably would have just not voted <laughs> in a lot of these cases. Yeah. But, oh, and uh, my favorite argument against that is, OK, Democrats in uh, I think it's like 17 different states. They have enough control that like today with their current power, as long as they all vote for the effing thing, all the Democrats unite, they could pass ranked choice voting tomorrow, which would completely negate the, quote, spoiler effect, because most people, if these people's logic is correct and they would be voting for uh, West or Biden, <laughs> then they can put Biden as their second choice. Great. Whole problem solved. They will never fucking do that because they don't actually even believe in their own argument. Ah. <laughs> and that doesn't come as a surprise, really, because, again, it these very same people cling to an ideal that the Democratic Party has tried to give to people, particularly people, <laughs> um, you know, people who are who, people who tend to be less well off, you know, whether it be LGBT folk, whether it be um, 
lower working class people in general, or well, but it tend, even though it tends to appeal to the middle class, I would argue, um, it's all about that same vision. But then when they give you a shit candidate, they're like, ah, oh, well, you'll vote, you'll vote for the senile old man with dementia, or, or else, basically. Or else, mean, it's the lesser yeah. of two evils, false dichotomy. Because again, yes, the politics are based on vibes, not on what they actually do. So even though Biden has done uh, uh, on paper, like if you actually look at what has happened, w- the same things that we were all saying Trump would do that we have, we got to stop Trump because he's going to do X, Y, and Z. Well, he's done X, Y, Z, gone background and done ABC <laughs> again. Uh, <laughs> which let me have like two more sentences in the Cornell West, but I want to talk about this fucking debt deal. Uh, Biden has been in. It's an astounding, not just disappointment, but he has been working against the very things that he lied to, to us about to get into office in the first place. And I don't understand yeah. why that just doesn't count for anything. Like, how does this lefer, lesser evilism makes, make any sense if they do the exact same things? Like, the Supreme Court. Oh, we have to get Biden in because his Supreme Court picks are going to be really, really important. Well, guess what? Eight to one, meaning not all the Democrats, <laughs> the court Democrat justices. Let me say that again. I think I spiked my own mic. Uh, eight to one in a recent Supreme Court decision, they uh, voted, vote. it was like against, it was this huge anti-union thing where these like this union uh, was being sued by their employer because as part of their strike, they were like cement workers and they just left the cement in the trucks and purposefully let them dry to ruin them, <laughs> which, you know, good, <laughs> fuck your company. Effective form of striking. Uh, they like were suing those workers or in a... And all of the, quote, liberal justices, except one, I don't know who the one was, maybe that's like a, sim- a symbol, symbolic, like, oh, I'll save face on this. But, like, everything that they say, if Biden had put in more justices, wh- how would that have turned out differently? <laughs> if you say you want X, Y result, if you're saying that you want electricity installed in your house, and every time you come over to install electricity, you just slap me in the face and call me an asshole, I start to believe that you don't actually want electricity in the house. <laughs> maybe maybe you just are, like, completely full of shit. And the truth is they are. I mean, if, I mean it's quite clear from that clear tactic of what can only be described as intimidation for that matter. That it is that they are just for the shit. It it wouldn't have mattered if there was more Republican justices or or if there was more Democratic justices because at the end of the day, they all serve the same thing. I mean, and this is the point, and this is the thing that people need to get through their heads, especially people who continue to fall for the same exact trap every single election season. <laughs> Say the line: the most important election of our lifetime. <laughs> It always is, but they'll always tell you that. And that's the point. It's to rile people up on purpose, to get them to go into their little groups, if you will, instead of actually recognizing the commonality between each of them. So I'm happy that Cornell West is running uh, not as a Democrat, because at the very, very least, it will give people who still want to vote... Uh, a place to frickin' show their disdain for the Democrats. Heck, it'd even be really cool if a whole bunch of new people signed up to vote, voted for only Cornell West, and was like, that's it. Just wanted to tell you I think you're doing a shitty job. Bye. Because I don't think we should be expending a huge amount of energy on uh, American elections, for sure, because they're just flat out a scam. Even if the most popular, like, Bernie Sanders nakedly exposed all of that. Even if you put in the ideal guy who actually might do the tiniest little thing, the whole apparatus will come together to make sure that will not happen. It doesn't matter. We talk about, oh, these were crazy right-wingers and their election interference claims. Well, the Democratic Party was was in court, and they testified, like, look... 
uh, based on our rules, because we are a private corporation, we could go into a smoke-filled room and just tell you who the candidate is. And how do I know that's true and legal? Because that's how it was up until like 30, 40, uh, not 30, 40 years ago, but like the 50s. Like we didn't even have primaries. They don't get, they, this shit does not matter. This is an illusion of election, of uh, democracy. <laughs> an illusion of choice, if you will. And I mean, I would expect, particularly when it comes closer to election season, that, that, we, that we're going to see a lot more of the negative rhetoric, pr- oh, probably. Oh, I'm excited to find out. They're going to call him anti-Semitic, I'm sure, because he doesn't think we should be bombing Palestine. <laughs> yes, and I'm, I'm so the same thing that happened to Corbyn, And really. he's black. Why um, is that the one thing that they call black Americans that don't follow the establishment narrative? They all get called anti-Semitic. <laughs> like, I'm sure some I, of them I'm are, sure. but <laughs> it seems weird. And then we're also going to get many so-called leftists within the same group um, do the same thing essentially they'll feed into the very same arguments but then they'll instead argue that i don't know they'll argue that he's homophobic for some particular reason likely because he's a christian if i'm not mistaken probably um <laughs> look it's more important to have the exact same opinion because that's the thing i don't think that it gets into this freaking philosophical debate of like i know many christians who are entirely fine towards the gays because <laughs> and even if cornell west personally doesn't think i don't know whatever his personal belief is he's definitely not up there saying that we should like remove gays rights or whatever like he's not campaigning on that shit he kind of like you can almost go oh he's he's deftfully kind of navigates around that uh we'll see what happens with it but he's like the most wholesome dude in politics and he's gonna be get called different six different kinds of satan over the next year and i don't know just pay attention just like look at it watch it happen and then realize that there is no candidate you could run that they would not do this to but even the policies of the party on paper seem quite reasonable i mean for oh example, yeah <laughs> the, the, you know the creation of a true democracy which is described as Cleaning out government corruption and creating a true democracy, getting money out of politics and banning corporate lobbying, enacting term limits in Congress and switching to hand-counted paper ballots, uh, revitalizing the economy, so guarantee quality education, housing, paid leave and a living wage to all, curbing inflation, supporting unions and expanding social security, Medicare for all, so again, quite a big one that people decided, well, the Democrats in particular, (laughs) decided to abandon. No, they're bringing Um, it back now that they're out of power. Seriously. The, the, are, really they're bringing it back yeah this month uh bernie sanders like we must start medicare for i'm like i can kick your ass man <laughs> shut up <laughs> wait wait so wait hang on so the, the quote-unquote squad is starting the arguments in favor of yeah. again or what well they're just talking about it because everyone likes it and it's popular and they're like we should do it and i'm like guys you had two full years <laughs> And they still didn't do it. Oh, they didn't even, like, start to do it. Actually, there were people, there was the, the Force the Vote campaign, uh, like, started by this dude, Jimmy Dore, who's, like, a slightly nicer version of Joe Rogan. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And they called him every name in the book because he's like, look, dudes, uh, you can't, there's, you know, through this various procedural nonsense, you could f- potentially force a vote on Medicare for All. Not force it to pass, just get everybody down on paper, which everyone in the U.S., for the most part, says, yeah, they should do that. I want to see who's a dick and who isn't. And no. They were. Uh, they said no. We got to not do that because we want these certain committee appointments, and they got the committee appointments. And then within two months, they were right back out of those committees. So good job, squad. Love it. They're doing a great job. And that was. Th- I mean, three years ago. Now they just do nothing. <laughs> apart from talk, but but that's but that's you know that's it. It's it, the entirety of American politics. I can often describe as a performance act. If you're a good actor, then you'll do well. 
But if you're not, mm, you won't go very far, I would argue. And you're very replaceable. It's got to stable these people to throw up there. <laughs> yeah. But even the rest of these policies, I mean, like even ending the wars, bringing our troops home and investing trillions of war dollars into American communities, um, expanding civil liberties, guaranteeing equal rights to all Americans, restoring free speech, protecting choice, ending the drug war and abolishing mass incarceration and protecting the environment, which is quite a big one for myself, um, cleaning up pollution in our food, water and air, tackling climate change and shifting to regenerative agriculture. You know, stuff like that would be good but again many so-called leftists would probably even oppose to ending wars given how some people have behaved <laughs> with regards to the situation in eastern europe and no it's different this is a good one ah yes apparently that's a good one because they're they're, they're all slavic people I yeah suppose. they're white so it's fine ah okay yes. oh so, no, no no i'm <laughs> sorry they don't count as white they're they are they're slavic you're right <laughs> yeah but, but, the, but the right pigment is the point you know okay. like this we're both anti-nuclear war. That's the point we're trying to make, but we're joking because depending on what decade it is, Slavic people are or aren't white, like depending on which neo-Nazi you talk to. <laughs> I mean, preferably when I'm pissing in my coloscopy bag in the year 2077, when I'm <laughs> 79 years of age, I'd prefer not to see nuclear bombs drop yeah. <laughs> on my birthday. Lorcan, you used to be not white in America. <laughs> I suppose I wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. You weren't I didn't white until... I didn't have the right accent. You weren't white till like 19, uh, 1880. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, of course. You became. That's when they allowed us to actually work in coffee shops. <laughs> no Irish exclusion act. <laughs> the first piece of else. the first piece of immigration legislation ever passed by the United States: the Chinese Exclusion Act. Trivia. Okay, please. Ex exclusion? Yeah, Chinese Exclusion Act. That's the exact name of it. Oh, dear. <laughs> it's very funny. Guess what it did? <laughs> Let me guess. It, ex it excluded a very broad demographic. No, nah, it just raised taxes on... Well, no. <laughs> it, was, it literally was like, okay, you get 1,000 Chinese people a year, or maybe it was zero. I don't know. It just has a number. It's like, these many Chinese people can come. That's it. <laughs> no, no, it's... Sure, nowadays you just restrict fucking everybody. Yeah. I mean, for, God, for God's sake, if I, want, if I want to move to your country, I have to fucking talk, pledge to the fucking flag, have a big fucking speech, and spend thousands of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're not really encouraging you're immigration kidding. per se. Well, I suppose on the topic of lesser evilism, I kind of wanted to bring up a little bit on our own elections here in the north of Ireland, um, particularly the assembly elections, which took place... God, not even a month ago, not even a month ago, about the 18th of May. Um, quite a quite a big um, quite a big one this year. Um, quite an interesting one at that. So I have spoken a bit about Northern Irish politics, but if you need any reminders, I'll try my best to do so. And which um, are you in the Ireland where you get ranked choice voting? It's based yes, it's based it's based on ranked voting preference. You basically put one, two, or three in accordance to which candidates you would prefer to vote for. And is this however? I saw ahead, like a sorry. documentary several years ago, so I just I'm kind of figure like what has changed. Do they still do the thing where they all sit in a big room with a lot of paper? Because Cornell is talking about paper ballots. You still do paper ballots. They do. Like yes, 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 absolutely. Um, you have to bring an electoral card and ID, of course, and you get your ballot. You basically sign your ballot and then just put it into a box. It's all paper, which I think's more reasonable than the way yourselves do it. Because if I'm not mistaken, because because I know he's speaking about paper ballots, you all do it on a. 
an automated computer system. So every single state system. is different, which is great. <laughs> great idea. Uh, we, oh, brilliant. Like here in Arizona, we fill out a Scantron, basically. You fill in a little dot, and then that gets fed into a machine that reads the dots, and then numbers go up. They tally it oh, that so way. So like an OCR machine? Yeah, like an old school test. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Which, I mean, this, okay, that's not the worst. They at least do have, if there was like an error, they can just pull them out and see which circles you filled in. But yeah. I don't want to be a sound like I'm a Luddite, but fully electronic voting. Dude, they, you, I won't put my garage door opener on our Wi-Fi because I don't want people to hack into my garage. <laughs> Once you start putting these things in computer systems, like you're just being naive if you're like, well, what are you talking about? This is the government. Of course it'll be safe. It's like, just do a stack of paper. You can't hack it. <laughs> just do a stack of paper. You will buy the Apple products and you will enjoy them. <laughs> but yes, in terms of the actual election in Northern Ireland, it's been quite a significant one in terms of changes to the political landscape, at least when it comes to what people perceive as a correct course of action. So the, so the Nationalist Political Party, if you remember, is Sinn Féin within Northern Ireland, which is the Nationalist Political Party. Um, essentially, they brought in a 7.7% increase from their first preference votes since the previous election and have consequently emerged as the largest political party within the Northern Ireland Assembly, which is basically the government I talked about that isn't even running because of the petition of concern, which I spoke about previously, whereby, an, whereby a, a block of people from one end of the, of the um, MLAs can just say, nope, I don't want to run because this person looked at me funny, basically. Um, and they've received a total vote share of about 30.9%, which is the largest they've actually ever received, ever. And it's actually it's actually the largest increase in the voting share for nationalist parties in the country's history in comparison to the unionist parties. And whereas the DUP, which was originally the largest party, have seen an actual net decrease in their vote, only by about 0.8%, but that's very significant when you consider the country's history. Whereas the UUP, which is essentially the other major um, unionist political party, they've seen a greater decrease in about 3.2%. This, to me, personally, suggests a general dissatisfaction with the unionist bloc by the electorate, which makes sense because they're the, they're the very same bloc that have been holding the assembly hostage preventing any government services running appropriately, preventing appropriate funding for the HSC, which is, if you remember, the NHS for our part of the country. Yeah. And basically creating a very miserable environment for people for the past couple of years, really. You know, so again, you know, it, to me, this suggests a great change in the political forces at play within the North. So indeed, the attitudes of the electorate are changing in some sense if we took the electoral vote, however, as a suggestion of their general satisfaction. But the problem is the NI Assembly is still stagnant. There's no central governing force regardless of whether or not the Nationalists are the largest political party because, again, that only a small amount of MPs, if you remember, can basically say, no, we don't want to run it until something changes, which is, again, to do with the NI protocol. And essentially... It, then you then you must ask you know what's the actual consequence been of these voting decisions what's you know has the will of the electorate actually been met has anything really changed well in my opinion not a whole lot you know the petition of concern again remains in place as a consequence of the minor amount of mlas that are required to ensure it's in place and the mentality 
the mentality in place that is of lesser evilism, because I would argue that a very significant amount of people have voted for the Nationalist Bloc as a consequence of the fact that, well, they're not, they're probably thinking, I mean, and I, and I know this because I've spoken to a lot of people, and I mean, even former unionists, and the general, the general consensus has been, oh, well, the nationalists aren't holding the government hostage, therefore, why should I vote for the unionists? Because they're the ones holding it hostage, so therefore I'll just vote for the nationalists. So again, it's the same kind of mentality, um, quite similar to the one in the US, I would argue. Again, one of lesser evils. But the reality, again, has changed very little, other than the attitudes of people towards the system of governance and perhaps to that of unionism in general. But the country and the situation within the country, for that matter, is still in a continuous state of dire. And this relates, again, to the issues that I've discussed previously having an ongoing effect. To me, socialists must ultimately learn from the lessons of voting in that, yes, it can give a general indicator of the feelings of a population, but by and large, it doesn't affect much in the long term. And, and especially in your case, whereby people are still stuck within this constant loop of doing the same thing because yes whilst in the north we have more political parties in theory they all generally adhere to two blocks and that's it you know so i think in terms of parallels when we just when you when, when you mentioned lesser evilism earlier i think that's quite an important lesson in that you can't rely on it to change anything because it's not going to because if i mean again yes we voted we showed what we thought but what changed? Nothing, really, because we don't have a government. The way I understand, like, look at Mar like looking at Marx's opinions on elections, because you'll go back to him and he's like the, what is it, the German Democratic Party? Like, they're participating in elections. And when it comes to, for the purposes of uh, displaying the power of your party like if you actually have a communist party out there actually running candidates it's like yeah you should participate in the elections not because it'll change anything but so you can just demonstrate like look look how many millions of people still vote for us even with all the suppression of our literature and the legalization of our clubs and all that, you know, all that shit so like like you're talking about for displaying people's dissatisfaction yes in that sense it's like literally a, a, a poll <laughs> yeah. but at the same time that might be like you have better knowledge of your material conditions than I do, but like I could see a situation where that could be leveraged at the very least. Like communists in your area should be working to try and leverage that to be like, look, look at all these contradictions. You vote for this, yet nothing happens. <laughs> Which I mean, everybody's heard by now, but eh. oh, well, oh, I mean, the Communist Party had been discussing this for years, <laughs> even prior to this particular election but the problem is again it's it is primarily because people are still stuck in such a rut with regards to politics in general <laughs> and because everybody's so busy with working that it's very hard to get out of that um how would i put it cycle if you will and i think and i think you know it's important for socialists to actually branch out more and actually get more involved in that particular sense as well as show people that nothing has really changed in that department i mean for god's sake i mean when joe when your fucking president came over here god forbid because you couldn't keep him you know um <laughs> you couldn't you can't fucking control him oh, like, I, I saw um, the footage it was pretty sad it was very sad and he and he oh god he even went to one of my universities so dear um 
like, the, the fact of the matter is, I mean, Sinn Féin were fucking cheering him on. I mean, for God's sake, the fucking Republican Party, which is that same nationalist party, Shin, what the Sinn Féin used to self-describe themselves as, they were fucking cheering on the king's coronation. Yeah, you gotta, like... <laughs> we're stuck in this weird aesthetics thing. And it like... is. It's nothing but aesthetics. <laughs> At the end of the day... If you believe that socialism has something to it, you believe that the proletariat is the really uh, revolutionary class, and it's like because scientifically, not just because like I like them, <laughs> not just because I I just have it in I just like an underdog, the worker, but it's like scientifically, that's just like how it's happened. We've now have had several examples of successful revolutions and how they can happen, and they don't all, they def they happen in a very unique way everywhere they happen because they grow out of the material conditions of that place. The Russian Revolution cannot take place anywhere but Russia in the year that it happened because even if the russian revolution happened again today it'd be very very different than it but like all that said you're going to have to work with people if you're really trying to get shit done who aesthetically are not great probably if you're used to the aesthetic of like i don't know a pride parade if you want that yeah. you are not gonna find that shit among the workers and that doesn't that's not i'm saying that workers aren't gay but we've been presented with Oh way you're aesthetically allowed to present as gay. <laughs> it's like, Precisely. I don't fit into that shit. Like people call people insult me all the time and I I could be a big whiny baby about it. How they like straight wash me essentially because I, I just don't act in the way that they expect, I guess, which is like if this is all about freedom of expression and uh, identity and all that shit, isn't that a huge limit <laughs> on it? Yeah. <laughs> Just a bit. All the like trans workers who just never get any attention, and, and they absolutely do not feel represented by current liberals. <laughs> They're like, man, I go to work, I pay my bills, I'm fucking broke all the time, everything sucks, the Democrats are in power, my life gets worse. The Republicans are in power, they openly just say they want to make my life worse. Like, what the fuck am I meant to do? And you just, like, we end up abandoning the vast majority of marginalized people because we're too busy trying to protect the, I guess, I guess protect the feelings of, like, the seven Disney appointed representatives of the identities. <laughs> China's racist because they don't like the little mermaid. <laughs> Holy fuck. The little I mermaid's see... white. Well, is no, not... the new one. The new little mermaid has, oh, new has a black uh... little mermaid. The main character is black. <laughs> and they're... maybe it's that like China just doesn't have the 90s nostalgia for a a movie that came out in America. <laughs> like that's, I, don't I don't even know how that argument makes sense because every foreigner I've spoken to, whether they be white or a person of color, who's went to China has always talked about how curious the people in China are of just foreigners in general. I mean, that's in fact, they're very to. curious. I mean, if you go to a West, if you're a Westerner going to China, you'll be asked everything. I've been told, I'm especially, so if, you, especially ready. if you live in the city. I'm, oh, I'm visiting China as long as my visa gets approved. That appointment happens in another like week and a half. We'll see. Oh, very good, very good, very I'm good. I'm going to the mainland, you, um, so I can become to? the most insufferable person possible because someone Ooh. will be talking shit about China, and I get to slide into every single conversation. Well, you know, actually, I've been there. Uh, what, what do you What do you want to know? <laughs> um, I'm going to Shanghai and Beijing, so I'm only seeing the big cities. Oh, very but... good, very good. Yes, they're pretty nice. I know um, a couple of students I, I knew um, are from Shanghai, actually. So, uh, I think I'm, my I think one of my you know, one of my um, Mandarin lecturers was actually from. 
around the area. She wasn't from Shanghai, but she was from around the area. So I think I think you'll have a blast, personally. I'm hoping and I can find... And then you get to piss off all the liberals. I know. It's going to be awesome. I'll be like, yeah, I went to China. I showed up. They put me in prison. They, they, uh... they, they, they castrated me. <laughs> they made me eat nothing but rice for <laughs> a whole month. They killed my family. They put a worm in my brain. It's... When I'm there, I want to... That worm in my brain makes me spout Xi Jinping fault. Yeah, that's why I now love Xi. He's my favorite guy. (laughs) (laughs) But I am... When I am in China, I want to I want to ask them everything in relation to like how does Marxism Leninism present itself in your life, <laughs> and and I'm sure a lot of people would just be like it doesn't what it even mean, but like I want to understand how while living within the most successful socialist experiment uh, in in world history so far at least, like do they feel it? Like do they feel the communism like around them <laughs> or is that just some shit that like they throw up and if you're really involved in politics and most people just go about their daily life and don't really care, which is what I assume it is. <laughs> well, the gen- well, the general thing I've, re- I've noticed from reading forums in China is um, that there's a greater sense of collective identity at most, which um, they work really hard part- to make you proud of being Chinese, which yes, well, good. one is <laughs> well, yeah, good. But one is also due to culture, and the other would obviously be due to the ideals, if you will, of socialism in general. I do definitely think if nationalist China was still around, we would not have the same mentality. Oh wait, they are, well, they are. They say they're still around, but oh, that's gonna get into dizzy waters. Um, it's but you know, topic. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna annoy a lot of people. But the, the, you know, the fact of the matter is that um, the, you know. The, the collective mindset, if you will, or the collective consciousness, if you will, if you want to use a, an idealistic Jungian term, um, would have been a lot different. And I think that's kind of the point here. You know, the, the Western world needs a more collectivist culture in general. It needs to foster it. It needs to grow it. It needs to get away from this disease of terminal individualism and recognize how one's actions ultimately affect everybody else's. That shit's all driven by neoliberal capitalism, which is the most boring thing possible to say. But it's the <clears> false competition we're all put into. We aren't, I don't think that we are innately, we aren't become, people, Americans aren't individualists because we just like suck. <laughs> it's everyone's in this dumbass, like rat race, artificial competition that's Im- imposed upon you. And then you're sitting there and it's kind of obvious that it's fake, <laughs> that it's bullshit, that you don't actually need to be all competing with each other. But yeah. you have to then, at the end of the day, you have to make the decision, like, do I take care of myself and my family, and what am I willing to be? And that's what then creates, we're all just the most selfish, self-centered people in the universe. <laughs> mm. As a byproduct. I don't think it's because we are, like, weak of spirit, but the government, it's funny, because <clears> we, we, you put up the aesthetics of, oh, we together are supposed to unite, take care of, blah, blah, blah. and you'll see all the, like, ah, oh, during COVID, we all came together to, and it's like, fucking, nobody came together. All the poorest people just had to keep fucking working, and all the rich people got to, like, get a home office and a private air filter helmet <laughs> for themselves. <laughs> sure, and, it, was a similar, it was a similar story whenever they done the whole clap for the NHS thing within the UK. <laughs> I, that turned sarcastic real fast. <laughs> Oh, it did. It uh, it was very tiring and above all else, pointless. People, I mean, even nurses were saying, "I don't want your fucking claps. I want better wages." Yeah, it's like freaking solve something. Because <laughs> outside of that, outside of these bullshit symbolic nonsense, it's you. Know, it's people trying to tear each other down. To, like you're encouraged to 
to bite, kill, become a leader, like dominate your job, do your <laughs> like we're not taught to be fucking cooperative. We're taught that if every the life is a race and if you're not first you're last and you got to get the bag and this weird yeah. dissonance. It's, it's almost like capitalism is when you take bedroom topics and try to apply them to the rest of the world. Mm. When in reality that doesn't <laughs> work out very well. <laughs> make this to make a very long story short we had our debt ceiling nonsense and we passed a bipartisan thing and B- biden wants a lot of congratulations and recognition uh for getting this deal done and people point out that hey two years not even a year ago when you had full control of everything democrats why didn't you raise the debt ceiling there to avoid this nonsense thing and if not that why don't you look at article uh, what is it the 14th amendment i think says that like basically debt ceilings don't exist <laughs> uh yes, yes. and nothing shall this, uh, last episode yeah, yeah let's talk about this last week so <clears throat> Biden, like, is he's the meme of the guy holding the boot on their own head. <laughs> it's like, oh, we have to compromise and do all these things. And that's all cover to do the shit that they just wanted to do anyway, to, to accomplish the ruling class's agenda. And that includes uh, all non-defense spending has been capped. So even if you want your programs to get more money, now they can't. <laughs> uh, protect, vet- protect veterans' medical care. Great. So you, as long as you're within the machine, you still get some medical care. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a civilian, fuck yourself. Uh, expand work requirements for people receiving benefits. For people receiving benefits, meaning uh, people I think it's like 55 and older, now there's an added work requirement where if you want your disability or your food stamp, or blah, you now have to go out and like try to be getting a job when you're basically retired anyway. Uh, yeah. And f- most important, the thing that's relevant to what you're going to talk about, our food stamps program, uh, SNAP, Special Nutritional Assistance Program, I think it's called, has yes, been yes, heavily, um, heavily slashed. Where since March, I believe. Yeah, you're hearing about people who used to get two, three hundred dollars now get twenty or thirty dollars, like a tenth. People are getting a tenth of what they used to in some cases, and I don't understand how it is acceptable because the argument that is brought out is, well, Republicans literally want to kill us, and how do you look at starvation and say that that's not literally killing people? Yeah. Why don't the effects of these actions matter? Why do only the vibes? If their check that is now smaller had a rainbow on it, how did that improve the situation? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny because, I mean, you know, in reference to this program, I mean, some families have even experienced a monthly reduction of around $250 or more, as it turns out. And it, and it kind of comes at an interesting time for the U.S. because whilst... Whilst food banks and pantries are already stretched thin by an increased demand for food as a consequence of that increased cost of living. And this is the same in most of the Western world, mind you. I mean, grocery shopping today is... <laughs> good, good Lord, I've been living on noodles, to be honest with you. That's what's how a, bad it's been. What's a dozen eggs there? Oh, um, not cheap. <laughs> That's definitely not cheap. I can't give you a figure of it all my hip, but it's not we, cheap. We were up to like four or five pounds for a one fucking dozen of eggs and now we're down to like we're getting there two pound fifty and that's almost normal <laughs> well a frozen pizza a frozen pizza is like five pounds so you're getting up there <sighs> especially for up here and this is, and you have to keep in mind that the north has the lowest income compared to the rest of the uk which is a bigger 
impact. So you're in a quote second. cheap area. <laughs> yeah, basically we're all the peasants, if you will. Um, but it's kind of, but again, it comes at an interesting time because I mean, the United States in particular has seen after tax profit margins for corporations soar by about 15.5%, which I believe if I'm not mistaken, according to um, uh, Bloomberg, I believe is the highest that it has been since 1950. Doing Which, good. Uh, you know, you, you know, they're doing good, but everybody else is just getting, uh, you know, whatever. Look, that doesn't matter. It only matters that those companies did or did not do Pride Month. That's what's truly important. Oh, yes, truly. If they painted their previously Nazi logo, I'm talking to you, BMW. <laughs> um, but, you know, we still got the, GE. The pride colors. Like, GE is, like, directly <laughs> links to the fucking Nazis. Like, all, most American yeah. companies, like Bayer. Like <laughs> IBM. Name a few. We took all, all the Nazis and we're like, hey, you should run all our shit. And they're like, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I mean, it's estimated that more than 42 million Americans received food stamps as of November of last year. Based on federal data, of course. And thus without this actual pandemic boost. It's like was a tenth of place. people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. That's the, that's the shocking factor here. And, the, you know, in other words, the average food stamp benefit comes to about $6 per person per day this year after March, instead of the $9 it previously was. And people are think some people are probably thinking, oh, $3 difference. That doesn't make much of a difference. But in, but in reality, it does make a huge difference because the actual emergency allotments that were kept in place, it were estimated to keep about 4.2 million people out of poverty in 2021. And they actually and the actual allotments that were in place, it lowered the excess poverty rate by about ten percent, and child poverty by about fourteen percent, I believe. And this is from the Urban Institute, mind you. So, if you're going to tell me or anybody else that somehow getting rid of these is good for people in the long term, I have unfortunate news for you, because the data contradicts that statement. Oh yeah, we. <laughs> you just keep seeing study over and over. Uh, like going from freaking nine to six dollars, that's a third of your food budget. That means if you were eating three meals a day, you're now eating two. Yes. I don't understand yeah. how this is just considered acceptable. Like, cause nobody and you can't blame just the average people. They aren't necessarily have the time to be looking into shit. But people I know who are up my ass about every little possible issue thing do not even yeah. know this happened. No, they How don't. is that acceptable? If you're supposed to be a politically active person who's trying to influence the direction of the ideology, or like whatever the hell you're trying to do by talking all day, like what? What are you talking about? <laughs> How does this Ignor not register? Ignorance, ignorance. Most of the time, I've I've learned in recent years, particularly from a lot of so-called leftists, is the position of the privileged. The privileged have the time to be ignorant, but the worker does not. Yes, you can forgive people not seeing certain things. That's perfectly fine. But when you deliberately go out of your way to ignore the actual data, when you deliberately go out of your way to pretend that what you're doing is right all the time, you're living in ignorance. And that's because you're privileged enough to live in that ignorance. In general, the closer you are on whatever your corporate ladder is to your <clears throat> boss, the closer your ideology is going to be to your bosses, because the general, like the hegemony of the U.S., that's the ruling class's ideology that we all just have to deal with because they have the power to just enforce it on everybody. 
So yes. talking about rich furries from the beginning, if you are in the six-figure range, you're probably pretty close high up on that thing, and your boss thinks that people should be kicked off food stamps to encourage them to work. And how much of that is bleeding into your fucking everyday life? <laughs> like, if you aren't fighting against it, if you aren't intentionally, like, ideologically educating yourselves, Lennon was born rich as fuck. He did not follow the ideology that was offered to him at all times, and it would have been way easier for him to do so. Very much easier. And that's the point, I suppose. It is a matter of how you go about changing things and what you actually do that leads to the development of socialism in general. The people on Twitter are not developing socialism, plain and simple. I mean, and this comes at a similar time whenever... I mean, these same people are probably happy enough to also know the fact that the U.S. has actually been estimated to spend, I mean, it's so far within the war in Ukraine, it has approximately spent about $46.6 billion in military aid, and its defense spending has been the highest ever at about $800.7 billion, which is the largest defense budget on the planet, and yet we're told that China is somehow a threat to the U.S. <laughs> I had somebody in person. This is not like I have... They're, well, they are probably like an average Fox News viewer, but they were... I was talking about going to China. I'm like, oh, China out there talking about bombing everybody all the time, and I just said, China hasn't bombed a country in 40 years. Yes, <laughs> just on the other end hand. of sentence. I say, we haven't not bombed a country in 100, and <laughs> like, it's been a really, really long time. It's very hard to tell, and my American history, I will admit, is quite limited, but um, I have yet to learn of a time when the U.S. did not flex its muscles. We immediately jumped on Cuba. Like, it's fucked up. <laughs> we, we did our revolution, and we're like, hey, Mexico. <laughs> I mean, Texas. How you doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> we immediately started doing that shit. Cause, or California. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> just con- we, we wanted to take over Canada for a long time. That was That's the fun times to read about. Like, the early 1800s when people were like, I don't know. I don't trust those fucking Canadians. Let's, let's get in there. <laughs> Some people still have that mentality, but I won't uh, mention that. But ultimately, I believe these figures represent the government priorities of the U.S. in particular in perfect, in perfect harmony. The priorities of Def- the most progressive administration ever, as we keep being Yes, told. and it's definite destruction, um, to, put it bl- to put it bluntly. Clinging on to this world of unipolarity at the expense of its citizens, because at the end of the day, if it actually cared about its citizens, then it would actually reinvest all of that money into schemes that would benefit those citizens. But no, they instead use the regularized propaganda machine to ensure that people are nice and happy with the next big thing, which is, or the next big bad guy, if you will, which is, it just happens to be Russia and China this time, because, <laughs> again, you know, close you, enough to the Soviet Union, we'll just go with that. When I was talking about uh, them being China being concerned with making sure that Chinese people are proud to be Chinese, the way they, the things that they will hold up to their citizenry to, to, to demonstrate that will be like the Yangtze Dam, which is like a, the largest hydroelectric. Like they build great stuff that helps the people around. Like, great, all your electric bills are about to go down because we just built this new plant. They're talking about expanding yeah. their nuclear. They build infrastructure. I saw seeing all these videos because now like YouTube knows I'm going to China, so like I'm in the algorithm, and it's just like subway stations in Shanghai, and it's just it looks like a fucking spaceship. They have so much, their stuff is like better than ours now, and they don't, <laughs> like, why? They have, their starting era, their starting point was so 
le- so much less advantage than the United States, and the benefit that the United States citizenry sees from all of this empire is just so minimal. I would, in fact, I th- I'd say it's negative. We, in fact, have like we, it is a detriment <laughs> to all of us. Where in China, they are absolutely not perfect, but they do not have to be. They just have to be better than us, and they're they're doing it. And it's not much of a margin. No, no offense, of course. Yeah, <laughs> the bar is very low. I have one final thing I have to bring up because I'm I'm bringing it up partially because I want to I want to stay consistent. Damn it! I have talked about the Uhuru uh, African socialists. Uh, was African People's Movement. I've got a freaking. They have, there's a lot of subheadings, but it's a group of black socialists that operate primarily in Florida and in St. Louis. And they had their like the FBI has raided them multiple times. Then they uh, are charged four of them with basically Russian collusion. <laughs> like you're you're foreign agents. You're helping. You're getting money from Russia. We don't like it. Uh, so I want to bring up more examples because I have a lot of randos would go, oh yeah, well they're helping Russia. That's what you get. They deserve like they just take immediately that that narrative is true and it is to it's believe. Like, it's, 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 like, it's like McCarthy <laughs> has risen from the graves. It's, it's crazy. Quite literally, they just yeah they just do the exact same thing. Oh they're Russian. Everyone goes yeah that's, yeah sounds about right. Take them away, officer. <laughs> Atlanta City Council member. Uh, oh sorry, I'm reading this headline wrong. Uh, Atlanta City Council member says arrests of Cop City bail fund organizers appear to be an intimidation tactic. An intimidation tactic is in quotes because everyone's covering their ass. This is from Fox 5 Atlanta, local news, baby. But to summarize, Cop City, they want to build a, um, like, a, a little city. I didn't realize that Cop City was literal. And I looked into it. I'm like, oh, they actually want to build a little model city that they're going to use to train cops. It's going to be like a training area where they're going to, you know, have people pop out like you know the old arcade video games where you, where you shoot your light yeah. guns at the guy they want to like make one of those and have fun in the woods and it's taking a gigantic portion of the georgia budget like the, that's the biggest argument is like one we shouldn't be pouring all our money into this and it's like the land they is not great and there's tons of different layers as to why it's a, a thing people in the area don't want but they have been protesting it heavily and one of the many bail funds that exists in the U.S. for, for when we arrest people, uh, for when we arrest people, when we take political prisoners and they require collateral to be released from jail temporarily, uh, some of the bail fund organizers have been arrested and charged with like financial crimes. I think. Ah, so we got their names. Or who is it? We got a 42-year-old, a 39-year-old, a 30-year-old uh, arrested Wednesday on charges of char- charities fraud and money laundering. The three lead the Atlanta Solidarity Fund, which has provided bail money and helped find attorneys for arrested protesters. And, like, surprise, surprise, they are being taken as political prisoners. I see this as, like, it's it's not that it's the same thing as the Uhuru people getting arrested, but it is the yeah. same lever of power and the same reflex doing it. They weren't arrested for the exact same reasons, but they were doing something that was pissing off the establishment. The establishment made up some shit and took them uh, and, uh, and, and imprisoned them. Just like they will you if you make the establishment mad. Just like they will uh, right-wing people if they make the establishment mad. Like, there was, there's been a lot of reflexive, the FBI and CIA are good, actually, coming from January 6th here in the U.S., which I think oh, may yeah. have been part of the reason that they kind of, like, the D.C. cops kind of, not that, that the cops did it, but it seems to have been permitted to happen. Like, when you look, it's like, why were there three total police officers in the entire Capitol building when they knew this big-ass rally was happening? Uh, 
I think it has been used at least as a very useful political tool to kind of just silence when the cops want to do cop things, when the feds want to take somebody. They just go, oh, well, here's the, they were terrorists, and then they arrest them. Or, oh, they were financial crimes in this case, arrest them. Oh, they were Russian collusion, arrest them. And more and more. You know, the funny thing is, if this happened in China, (laughs) you would hear the same fucking complaints. Oh my God. If not escalated beyond reason. (laughs) I didn't consider that. That's a very good point. Just a picture, everybody, that a group of (laughs) Chinese people have been arrested in China for protesting police brutality. (laughs) Somebody, somebody resurrect MacArthur to launch the nukes. <laughs> They'd be like, we have to invade tomorrow to save these brave patriots. And I yeah, would agree. Basically. If China's, China also should not be taking political prisoners. Uh, like, yeah. I'm not trying to say, oh, it's totally fine if China does it. But you hear stories like this, which of freaking dubious origin, uh, that will, against our like, official state enemies all the time. You'll have people say that like America doesn't take political prisoners, and that's them blanket believing the uh the nonsense <laughs> that is thrown out like do you really think they're doing financial high crimes this bail organization it's possible i don't why do we trust the cops now <laughs> because they don't because they done something that the, the essentially the people who are against this particular group of people consider right that's it there's no consistency with their beliefs it's just nothing more than pure opportunism if you like them yeah they're innocent if you don't like them Lock them up. <laughs> I mean, it's the same racist mentality that's been the case with, um, you know, Americans getting attacked. Well, Russian Americans getting attacked due to anti-Russian racism that's been prevalent throughout the Western world. It's almost inflicted the entire hemisphere as a disease. Do you remember you "Stop Asian Hate"? That big hashtag. But then we all every day talk yes. about how evil and horrible China is. Yeah. <laughs> same fucking story. Some fucking 80-year-old Chinese lady is going to get hit with a brick because we're convinced a giant chunk of the population that China is, like, bloodthirsty, evil. <laughs> yeah, Horde, ready to take over the entire world. But you'll get to tell us all those world domination plans yeah. whenever you return. I am very excited. You said you had a Mandarin teacher. Like, how much Chinese did you learn? Oh, just HSK 1 and 2. Nothing too complicated. Um, I'll be honest with you, I don't even remember a lot of it. I just passed the exams. <laughs> I am, I'm working mostly on pinyin pronunciation, because if I can at least look at the thing and maybe get it out of my mouth, I can exist. <laughs> I got well, HSK, HSK 1 and 2 is pretty good. They're, they're good books if you're wanting to learn a bit on pinyin, but also, um, you know, if you're wanting to learn a bit of writing on Hanshi in particular. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not going to resist learning the characters, but at the moment, that is my I, that is definitely back burner. <laughs> I want to be able to. All, look I, all at, I can say is it's not as hard as it looks. I yeah, I, and I'm already like cross checking. Where I'll be like, oh, okay, that symbol. Okay, that's what. Right, right. Like I immediately, it's it's clear like the usefulness and how the combination of like pronunciation and uh, meaning contained within the symbols and how they're like connected. Is, yeah. I, I like it. I, I'm st- I like uh, unraveling the internal logic of a language that is so so different from uh, any romance language. No, indeed, indeed, and I think you'll benefit. Pretty happy, and then I can accurately say ni hao to people at a Chinese restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. It's pretty clear that the guy in the uh, Chinese restaurant closest to me is is like working on English because he'll look at the thing and he'll stop and then he'll say the number. He'll be like seventy. 
five. <laughs> and I look, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I wanna walk up <laughs> I wanna walk in there and be like, oh fuck no. I don't remember how to say seventy-five. I remember seven five. Is that is that Jo Woo or Chi Wu? Jo, no, Jo six. Yeah. Leo, there it is. Leo Woo. <laughs> seven five. Yeah, just don't write the number zero because that's oh dear. Is zero the unlucky one? Or is it's it just a, well, a, it's a it's a very complex character. Alright. Ling? That was a, a, a that was a fucking joke where it's the one, a single line. Got it. Two, two lines. Hey, three, three lines, yeah, and then zero. It's like holy shit, it's it's an extremely complicated character. It's, oh. Yeah. Same kind of story. Would that be Liao Shi Wu? Seven ten five <laughs> 75 <laughs> 710s and a 5 yeah I think so well everybody but I may be mistaken <laughs> I'm getting there I can at least when I see the characters that are the numbers I'm like oh that's ba. I know that because <laughs> it's two little lines and I can draw it easily anyway this has been Last Minute Politics Lorcan thank you very much for coming on I always enjoy talking to you no you too I appreciate it I'm always happy to uh complete shite for the next hour mm, I very much appreciate everybody listening thank you to the people in the chat I forgot to plug if you want to get on patreon.com last minute politics you could be with us live uh, listening to all the, the the gibberish that I'm hopefully going to edit out of this <laughs> well yell goodbye bye